Support for On Being with Krista Tippett comes from the Fetzer Institute, helping build the spiritual foundation for a loving world. Fetzer envisions a world that embraces love as a guiding principle and animating force for our lives, a powerful love that helps us live in sacred relationship with ourselves, others, and the natural world. Learn more by visiting Fetzer.org. I'm Krista Tippett. Up next, my unedited conversation with physicist Carlo Rovelli. There is a shorter produced version of this wherever you found this podcast. Uh, unless you want to tell me where you want to go or mm-hmm. before, but as, as you wish. Okay. You know, I, I mean, I'm going to... Um I'm going to I'm I'm going to ask you to speak about things you are thinking and writing about all the time and uh um so yeah okay. so I think I'll just I'll just I'll just guide the conversation as we as we move through it but uh Perfect. Perfect. Yes. Sorry I'm doing. Okay. 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 We'll do. Uh Chris, do you need a do we need a sound check or are we okay? Okay. Um Carlo, could you tell me something banal, like what you had for lunch? <laughs> yes. <I'm, laughs> Just so I can get a sound uh, check. Sure, of course. Uh, so I'm Italian, so I had a very small breakfast, uh, just a little bit of milk and stuff. And uh, for mm. lunch, uh, I had to have a super fast lunch because it was a meeting, a physics meeting, and we were discussing during lunch, and it was my turn to talk. So... The other people were leisurely having lunch, and I was uh, talking, but I survived. Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> All right, then I think we can just plunge in. Um, sure. Perfect. You know, I think something—a um, quality that runs through all of your writing. Um, uh, it seems to be this kind of intertwined, interactive curiosity about. And, and commitment to both, um, well, hi- physics as well as philosophy and history. Um, and I, I'm just wondering, I'm curious as we start, if you trace the roots of these passions and the connection you see between them um, in, in your earliest life, like how, how do you think this was sparked by something in your childhood? Um, I think... Physics, uh, philosophy, history are not very separated uh, uh, because they're all parts of a common desire to understand better the world around us. And um, there are many ways of being a scientist. One can be a scientist because he's in love with mathematics or somebody else can be a scientist because he's in love with a specific problem and likes to... Uh, plunge into in, in, into one specific thing. But then there are scientists who are just curious about the world in general and how the world is uh, um, is made. Um, mm-hmm. What can we learn about the, 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 the way the, the world uh, works? And uh, there are many of those, uh, and uh, I'm one of those. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. from that perspective, science uh, is just... Uh, uh, learning the great scheme of things as much as possible. And uh, for that, yeah. uh, philosophy is very close. Uh, and history is the path of this discovery. And I think science is not a, a set of acquired knowledge. Uh, it's the, the, the journey toward uh, acquiring more and more knowledge. 
Mm. And I'm, you know, I'm always just curious about how people are formed and how they're, how they're the driving, the questions that seem to drive them through their lives, you know, where they take root. Were you, were yes. you that kind of child or do you think you were raised to be curious in that way? Um, I came to science very late. Uh, I came, uh, I come from a childhood of, mostly of, of great curiosity about everything, but also rebellion. Uh, I was not a mm. science uh, fanatic as a kid, <laughs> not at all. Um, <laughs> I was curious about everything, and uh, uh, I didn't like the world around me. I was rebellious with respect to the world around me, and uh, uh, that was my path. So in, in, in high school, I was not particularly attracted by science. I, I was good in science. Mm-hmm. I was good in math, but reasonably not particularly. Um, I was uh, somehow questioning everything and feeling disconnected by the world around me. I had a passion that many adolescents have about uh, uh, viewing the other side of the hill somehow, going away, Mm -hmm. moving, Mm -hmm. moving away with my feet, with my heart, and also with my curiosity. So I read a lot. I I was reading enormously all sorts of stuff, not necessarily science. I chose uh, then at the university, during my university, as I chose science uh, um, a little bit randomly, um, I spent my youth being traveling and being a little bit uh, revolutionary in the in the in the politics of the, right, Italian, the right. Italian politics yeah. of the time, and at some point uh, uh, we wanted to change the world. I'm of that generation. We failed, um, mm. and at some point I just fell in love with physics. Uh, that I was I was taking some classes in physics, and I said, "Oh, this is fantastic, because uh, this allows me to see uh, more far." Uh, than what I've been seeing so far. This allows me to really learn something completely new and to see what's wrong in common way of thinking. So I come Mm. from general curiosity, a general intellectual curiosity, I would say, which focused uh, on on, on physics at some point. And it seems to me that you suggest, as you um, describe the world and the cosmos, um, Mm, or and, and, as you've come to see it, let me say it better than that. I think what you, you you do is you reveal a scientific way of thinking and seeing the world. You share that with others who may not be scientists. Um, you know, you. So yes, you said you tried. To, you were part of that generation that wanted to change the world. But I wouldn't say that the way you do science or the way you write about science um, for the world now is disconnected from. Um, the notion of how we are human beings. I mean, you, you even said that, you know, physics and science um, can affect your soul and whatever that, whatever definition one gives to that. And, and that, and I, I think you're also suggesting that each and every one of us alive today with any connection to culture um, has been formed by views of the world that have emerged through science, though we may not understand this science and we may not be conscious of how our view of the world has been shaped by that. Yes. Um, I think you you certainly touch here something which is central. Uh, the way I do science, the way I think about science, but also the way I, I have been writing uh, about science in, uh, in in the books that I wrote for a, for a large public, um, I I think that uh, 
what 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 drives me and drives a lot, big chunk of humanity is uh, curiosity to to learn to know and uh, and science is a way of doing that and it's a way which is based uh, on um, not trusting what uh, we already know of course building on mm. what we already know and uh, and using what we already know but not necessarily trusting it and so being ready to question everything that's the way science has evolved uh, uh, in antiquity, in in the Renaissance, in the modern time, in the in the Enlightenment, in 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 last century, it's always questioning things which uh, uh, are given for granted, and uh, uh, in this way opening uh, new knowledge. And uh, it has been extraordinarily effective in the in the past, uh, in the sense. Uh, not just technologically, because we have computers or airplanes, right. uh, but in the way we we, th- we think the world today. Uh, we often do not realize that our view of the world is deeply affected by the scientific discoveries of of, of the past. Um, the way Newton or Darwin or or or, or Democritus or, 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 or Galileo uh, or Lavoisier have changed the, the, the our view of the world has uh, become common thinking. Um, right. Over uh, time, right? Over time, slowly, very yes. slowly. Because mm-hmm. when Copernicus mm-hmm. uh, convinced everybody that, well, he didn't convince, when, when Copernicus tried to convince everybody that the Earth goes around the sun, he, he failed. It took a century for everybody to accept it. But now mm-hmm. we know. Now we know that the Earth is a sphere. It moves. It goes around the sun and, and so on and so forth. And we accept it. It's just part of our knowledge. But it's not just that. The way we think about space, um, about time, uh, about matter and and so on, um, and at the, at the same time, uh, you said something else. I do believe that there isn't a uh, a separation between um, science and, in particular, physics, and everything which concerns us as humans. Um, we are we humans are part of nature with our morality, with our sense of beauty, with our sense of commitment, uh, uh, with our friendship, with our love, with our uh, uh, hate also, which, which everything which is, which is uh, our self, um, our emotions, first of all, is, is what make us, and this is what we are. We are a piece of nature which is, and study is a way of trying to understand a little bit more about, um, about that. So... Yeah. Um, it's studying science is not a separation for our humanity. The other way around, there's a way to connect our humanity to to what we know about uh, uh, planets of uh, or, or or atoms. Mm-hmm. So I want to understand. Um, did you write <clears throat> the book that's now been uh, published as "Reality Is Not What It Seems"? Uh, did you write that, and then you were invited to write essays for a newspaper, which became? The book Seven Brief Lessons on Physics. Is, is that, yes, uh, that yes. Worked? In the okay. United States, uh, uh, there's uh, the the reality is not what it seems is coming out now, which is after the the Seven right. Brief Lessons, but is actually written before. Okay, I mean, I have to tell you, I I read um, Seven Brief Lessons on Physics this past summer, and um, I just found it astonishingly beautiful. And oh, thank you. <laughs> I. Well, and and here's and then I read later. I read reality is not what it seems, and it, so beca- it seems I say to me. Con- I just may, want, yes, Krista, may I say congratulations for becoming wise? Oh, thank you, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. In, in, in the double sense of the. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Thank you. <laughs> I loved it. Well, I really you loved know, it. Yes. You did? Oh, I, well, that yes. means so much to me. That is amazing. <laughs> um, well, then maybe you'll appreciate that, that it, it, it seems to me one way I started to think about what you've done with this very small book about physics is that you did a scientific equivalent of turning prose into poetry with the same power. You've, you took these vast ideas and you condensed them into very sparse, powerful words. It seems to me like the way mathematicians and physicists have spoken to me about what makes a good equation, that it is a simple and elegant and beautiful and then more propulsive in a way in capturing those undergirding truths. I think it's remarkable. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, so, so, yes. what I, so what I would like to do is walk through, because we can't, we, I, I would love to introduce everyone listening to, you know, to physics as a whole, but we can't do that, obviously, in an hour. What no, I, what we I'd cannot do that do on the radio. Walk, we can't do that. No. <laughs> what I'd love to do is walk through some of the observations you make um, that I just feel are immediately you can one can immediately capture and reflect on as a human being whether you know science or not and um and it's kind of ideas that might that affect the way we can see the world um and ourselves so so I'd like to start with um kind of the you know as you you spell out the the backdrop the backdrop and foundation of where we are now kind of the 20th century gave us general relativity and quantum physics and these are the yes. two gems around which 21st century physics revolves and yet they contradict each other they both yes. work and yet they <laughs> contradict each other um i love the the story you tell you know that you say re- reality is fundamentally contradictory the the rabbi yeah. who to whom oh. two men went to settle the dispute <laughs> yes yes um can you do you remember that one the the story yeah this the, is a this is yeah. the, the this is very much like uh, like the present state of uh, of fundamental physics in which we have on one side uh, uh, generativity on the other side quantum mechanics and the story is that there are two two people two two men who have a fight so they they, they go to see the rabbi to to ask him to 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 sort this out and the first one um, tells his point of view and the rabbi says oh you're right and the other one said, well, wait a minute, I, you should listen to me. And the rabbi said, yeah, of course. So he, he presents his point of view. And the rabbi say, yeah, you're right. And then there is the, the, the wife of the rabbi who's just hanging around and says, well, come on. I mean, they cannot be both right. And the rabbi thinks a moment and says, yeah, you're also right. So that's where we are. Right. <laughs> we have, we have that's where we are in physics. That's what we are in physics. So we have two things, exactly uh-huh. what we are in physics. Namely, and, and here the, you know, the rabbi is nature in a sense, because uh, we have come out with, well, we, I mean, somebody, Einstein has come out with general relativity. And uh, general relativity had an incredible, incredible sequence of predictions, which were really incredible. <laughs> uh, black holes, expansion of the universe and everything else, quantum, uh, sorry, uh, gravitational waves, uh, and uh, nature has said yes, 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 yes to all these predictions. Namely, yeah, the theory is right. <laughs> and, uh, and the same has happened with quantum mechanics, entanglement, uh, all sorts of funny things of quantum mechanics. Uh, and nature has said yes, yes, yes. But then when you take the two together, they tell a totally different story about reality. And uh, it can't be that the exact story one tells and the exact story the other tells tales are both right. So in some sense, they should be right to some extent, 
but we should find we, we're not smart enough yet to find the way mm. to um, think them together. Here, here's some, here's a line of what I would say again: the poetry of the book you know, here. In the vanguard, beyond the borders of knowledge, science becomes even more beautiful, incandescent in the forge of nascent ideas, of intuitions, of attempts, of roads taken, then abandoned, of enthusiasms, in the effort to imagine what has not yet been imagined. <laughs> uh, yeah, congratulations to my translator in English. I mean, <laughs> it's beautiful, <laughs> I isn't it? It's wonderful. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. My yeah. translators are very, very good. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah, I, the, another thing I... Yeah, yeah. go on. Um, go, the, on go on, One of the points for me is the fascination of science is not what we have learned. It's the process of learning. It's uh, the discovery. I mean, it's, it's the wonder of what we learn. Wow. Um, and uh, then uh, the, the wonder creates more curiosity, and then we realize that there's so much we have not learned yet. I don't think we are near the end of physics at all. I don't think we are mm. near the end of science at all. There is so much to be discovered. And the beauty of the scientific uh, enterprise is that we are, we, are, we are in touch with the unknown, what we don't know, and we try to make steps into it. Yeah. One, one way, here's something else that was very helpful for me. When you describe the, the move from Newton to Einstein... The, the moment of enlightenment. Newton's space through which things fall and the gravitational field are one and the same thing. That's, that is a way to understand how that shift, how what Einstein did changed our sense of the fabric of reality. Yes, it's a way to understand uh, that uh, I think that's a, that's the core of general relativity is the the, the 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 core if one wants to understand what Einstein has done with general relativity. Even more, I think it's a it's a fantastic example of what it means by science being beautiful and simple. Um, when you have something you don't understand and you struggle, and and then suddenly it makes sense because you realize that two major things you thought were there are actually one, two aspects of the same thing. So the world simplifies mm. dramatically, suddenly. There isn't a space and a time and a gravitational field over it. And a, suddenly, th things which seemed uh, separate collapse into one and, and things work. And then you have the sense, mm. oh, yeah, I'm understanding. Now I understand it better. I mean, it may take time. One has to understand first what's the gravitational field, what's space and time. But the, the moment in which this step is, is, is done... Uh, it's a moment of clarity, of, of, uh, of wow. Of course, science then um, becomes credible not just because of this clarity, but because uh, it makes predictions, the predictions are, are verified. So that's the strength right. of science, that it works out of beauty, out of intuition, out of imagination, but it has a very solid way then of, of checking. And uh, which also means that some many beautiful ideas turn out to be wrong. And being a scientist is the <laughs> capacity of uh, saying, oh, this was a fantastic idea, but too bad, it was wrong, <laughs> which is specific of science and is a, is a strength of science, the capacity of uh, um, uh, coming out also from our own uh, ideas and, uh, and, uh, and cha changing. Science is a, is, is a way of thinking that accepts change in death, I would say. 
and I, I think you know what you you also write about, and 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 many people have the, I mean, that Einstein is this singular mind, who who gave us so much, and kind of this single mind through which the general theory of relativity came together, a, a coherent vision of gravity, space, and time, um, and yet even Einstein struggled. Uh, with what happened with the, with the discoveries he made, I mean, with as with the emergence of of quantum theory, um, because he really wanted there to be some kind of overriding objective reality that we could describe. Is that a is that the right way to say it? Yes, it is. Um, Einstein. Uh, in, in his struggle with quantum mechanics, uh, on the one hand, he anticipated the, the tension between uh, his own physics and quantum physics that we are all trying yeah. to solve uh, a century later. Um, but also, he he has also limitations. One of the beautiful things about Einstein is that he's probably the greatest um, uh, physicist after Newton, or maybe one of the greatest scientists of all time. Uh, but he makes plenty of mistakes uh, that yeah. he himself uh, knows about he, he. You can find texts by Einstein saying one thing, and, and and then another text saying exactly the opposite thing. He has no fear in uh, um, trying, taking a position, abandoning, changing his mind. There are technical questions. Um, for instance, the existence of gravitational waves. Uh, gravitational waves were measured last year by LIGO, and that was a spectacular yes. success yes. of Einstein theory. But if you read Einstein about gravitational waves, there is a, there's some, one article in which he says that they exist. Then there's a later article in which they say he says it, they don't exist. And then he changes his mind again and says it exists. So Einstein tries. Um, is not mm-hmm. somebody who does not make, make mistakes. He's somebody who makes a lot of mistakes. Uh, and finds, by, by trial and error, uh, in, in the heavy sense, uh, uh, then uh, arrives at uh, discoveries that nobody else has, uh, has done. So um, this, I think, uh, shows that uh, uh, science is not about perfection, certitude, uh, certainty. Uh, it's it's an exploration, is 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 a movement, and there's a capacity of changing ideas, mm-hmm. which is something which is so hard, even in our everyday life. You know, it's so hard to change idea. People have their own idea, and they keep them. They even think that they are they're good people because they remain faithful to their idea, which is sometimes is good because sometimes they get the idea are good, but sometimes be, be, being able to change idea is our strength, not our weakness. I think. Yes, and I think there's some solace in the, in the fact that that even Einstein um, was was open. Oh yes, <laughs> on the one hand brought great right. On the one hand brought great knowledge and discovery and conviction. Um, he saw things that he he that he it was his calling to help the rest of the world see. But, and yet always had to be open to uh, changing. I mean, I think what you know a, a driving point that you make as you describe quantum physics. Um, and really, all of physics um, is we must accept the idea that reality is interaction. Yeah, this is a very general point in the in 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 mm-hmm. science, and uh, um, I'm not sure I'm able to articulate it entirely. But I think it comes out from many sciences, and uh, uh, certainly from quantum mechanics, uh, uh, but also from from others. We do understand the world. Uh, better, uh, not in terms of things, uh, 
but in terms of uh, interaction between things, how things interact with one another. Um, even in biology, right? We understand biology in terms of uh, uh, evolution, how things change, and how we, we understand the, the, the antelope because there is a lion, uh, and the lion because there is antelope. Uh, we, we don't understand them in, in isolation. Oh, antelope, yeah. Uh, Antelope, right. sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and at the core of, of, of quantum physics, this comes out very, very strongly. Somehow quantum physics does not describe how things are, but how things interact with one another. So um, right. uh, I think this is general. Even we human beings, I'm, I'm not a thing. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a net of interactions with uh, the world around me, with the people who knows me, who love me. Uh, mm. it's, a, it's a better way, it's a more powerful way of trying to grasp reality uh, by focusing on uh, uh, what interact with what and how. And somehow the objects are just the nodes of the interactions. They're not primary thing, a secondary thing. Right. I, I mean, so when I was growing up in studying science in school in a very rudimentary way, uh, I learned that an atom is composed of a proton, a neutron, and an electron. You, the way you describe what, what quantum physics sees is that an electron is a set of jumps from one interaction to another. And in fact, only electrons only exist when they are interacting with something else. Yes, this is at the core of, uh, of, uh, of quantum mechanics, which is one of the parts of modern physics which is totally central. Uh, and at the same time, we understand less. Um, quantum mechanics works mm. spectacularly well. I mean, we have computers based on quantum mechanics. We have all sorts of technology based on quantum mechanics. And still, there is something mysterious about it, uh, something slippery about it. It's not a clear, mm. it's not a clean, transparent uh, theory, which means that we have to, I suppose, um, struggle more to, to understand it. I think we are, behind all that is the fact that we... Uh, we understand so much about the world, but we're not so smart after all, right? <laughs> the world is complicated. It's horrendously complicated. Um, and so we understand bits and pieces of it which allow us to do all sorts of things. I mean, to go to the moon, to understand that there are black holes, to, to uh, all sorts of things. But, uh, but at the same time, uh, we know that both at the core of all this and, uh, and in parts we haven't explored yet, there's so much we still to do to, to better understand the world. Um, you, you wrote... Um, sure. Yeah, go please. on. No, no, please. please. There's, a, there's, a little, there's a little gap here, so sometimes when you're speaking, I can't... So just I, for, forgive me for interrupting and... We can edit this out. So keep going. Uh, <laughs> I'm keep... Italian, so we interrupt one another all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, good. <laughs> um, well, you, you, wrote, um, you wrote this. It's as if God had designed reality with a line that was not heavily scored, but just dotted it with a faint outline. Yes. Uh, one of the uh, key aspects uh, of quantum mechanics uh, is, uh, as you were saying, we, we cannot think as an electron, as a little stone that moves in space, uh, uh, 
uh, and is here and then here and then here and then here. It has a different m modes of uh, of happening. So one way, one alternative way, is just to think that it's sort of materialized here and then materialized here and materialized there. That's one of the way of thinking of quantum mechanics. It goes back to the beginnings, Heisenberg uh, way. Heisenberg is one of the scientists that first entered into this magic of quantum mechanics. And uh, and I like this idea because as the world becomes more light, there's less uh, it's, it's less full. So I use this uh, this image. I'm an atheist, so this reference to God, uh, it's uh, it's more literally reference than right. Than and when you say becomes when the world becomes more light, what do you mean? Uh, I think that uh, let me put it in this way: um, there is. One view of the scientific description of the world, uh, which is uh, uh, the world is just matter. There are particles moving around. Mm -hmm. uh, this is 18th, 18th century physics. It's not true anymore. Has changed. And then in the in the sort of 19th century, there was a period in which physics was saying, well, maybe we understand it's just energy. It's all forms of energy. Um, that's not true anymore, <laughs> because in general relativity mm -hmm. you cannot think in terms of uh, of, of energy. There is uh, there is else. Um, so now we think in terms of quantum fields uh, on space time. But if you do, if you want to go quantum gravity, you cannot think in those terms either. So the stuff <laughs> of the world is not something we have clear. The stuff of the world. Uh, um, in fundamental physics, uh, is not heavy matter. It's much more light. And uh, mm, the way we describe it is in terms of interaction between systems. So it's like, uh, let me give you a pictorial thing. It's like uh, a little flash here, a little flash there <laughs> when two things uh, in interact. Um, in that sense, there is, a, there is lightness. And also, in that sense... Um, uh, the the world is very very different from our uh, sort of daily intuition. Uh, that's also the title mm, of mm, uh, uh, of the book. Right. Our right. image of things and uh, things uh, that permeate time and time passes and space where things are immersed. Uh, all this is not wrong, of course, but it's an approximation. It's a. Uh, right. It's like the flat Earth. The, fl the Earth is flat around us, but if you look a little bit on, on a larger scale, it's not flat. It's round. So, on a, on a larger scale, the world is very different from our uh, from our intuition, and it simplifies. Oh, right. Like, uh, like space mm. becomes a gravitational field. Um, a lot of different things uh, become the same thing. It simplifies, mm. and uh, what I try mm. to do in the book is give an overall picture of the way I understand it uh, with the understanding that we're far from a final picture. Right. I mean, so, so for example, here's something. like When you write about particles, you say, on the one hand, there's no such thing as a real void, one that is completely empty. I mean, even the, even the word space, I think, is outdated, right? Because space it is outdated. Suggests, <laughs> it, it suggests an empty. It suggests something empty. But then, but what you say, what's there instead, as you say, is not is a world of happenings, not of things. 
Yes, uh, a thing is something which uh, uh, remains equal to itself, right? A thing is a stone is a thing because I can ask where the, yeah. the stone is tomorrow. While a happening is something that is limited in space and time, I don't know. A kiss is a th- is is is, a, is not hmm. a thing because I cannot ask where where is a <laughs> oh, is, is a okay. kiss tomorrow? Where is this kiss tomorrow? I mean, it's just happening now. Okay. And I think that um, we don't understand the world uh, as made by by stones, by things. Uh, we understand the world made by kisses or things like kisses or by happenings. Yeah. In other words, the, the, elementary, uh, the elementary quantities of uh, ingredients for describing the world are not things which remain through time. Uh, they are just limited in space and, and, and time. And the things which remain through time are processes that repeat themselves. A stone is just mm. a, a, a common flickering of, quant- of, 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 of electrons and things and stuff which remains together, not even forever, of course, because it goes into powder for a long time, for a while. Um, right. So if, to better understand things, I, to better understand the world, I think we don't, shouldn't reduce it to things. We should reduce it to happening, and the happening are always between... Uh, different systems, always relations, are always mm. Uh, mm. Uh, like a kiss, which is something that happened between two persons. So even for you, a stone is a happening, in the, seen in the long expanse of time and an understanding of how it became what it is. Yeah. It's a I happening, mean, not we, a thing. We live, uh, we live a hundred years, but suppose we lived uh, a billion years. A stone will be just a moment in which some sand gets together and then mm-hmm. it disgregates. So it's just a momentary mm-hmm. getting together of sand. Uh, the, the permanence of things is a, it's a matter of the, we look at them for a short time with respect to their own state together. Hmm. I, I want to read another um, passage from your writing. Um, a handful of types of elementary particles which vibrate and fluctuate constantly between existence and non-existence and swarm in space, even when it seems that nothing is there, combine together to infinity like the letters of a cosmic alphabet to tell the immense history of galaxies, of the innumerable stars, of sunlight, of mountain, woods, and fields of grain, of the smiling faces of the young at parties, and of the night sky, studded with stars. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for reading this. I think what I wanted to convey is the sense that um, if you think that reality is just quantum fields uh, or or, or atoms or nothing else, it does not mean that uh, it's dry. It means that there is, out of that, there is space for incredible complexity, including uh, the galaxies, the, 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 the woods, the forest, and including our own emotions, our own yeah. uh, uh, complexity as human beings. Um, uh, to think in that the scientific description of the world, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's basically right that there is nothing else from it, it does not mean denying the complexity of, of, of what we are. To the opposite, it means bringing it together in a, in a unitary way with what we know about the world. And, you know, it seems to me that um, our understanding of time 
well, as well as space, but let's stay with time as, you know, what did Einstein say? Time is a stubbornly persistent illusion or our, our sense of time's past, present and future, this arrow moving forward. It seems to me that this is, this intrigues me as, I mean, time, I think we, we all experience as this basic element we we move through and work with and struggle with and try to control and organize, <laughs> uh, you know, or lose lose to uh, through through the course of every day. And I feel like the way Einstein um, reimagined, but the way physics has understands time now, is just such a a a, a, a huge example of how we have yet to even begin to internalize the reality of time. Do you know what I'm saying? That's sort of Yes, very well. Um, I know what you say very well. First of all, it intrigues you and uh, intrigues me and I think intrigues so many people. Um, what has happened is that we have learned that our uh, direct intuition of time uh, we, we have a very good idea of what time is, right? I mean, if you ask uh, somebody who doesn't know physics what time is, he knows what time is. is that? Uh, but that idea of time is wrong. It's not wrong uh, for us. I mean, we have, I don't know, one hour for talking and, and that's one hour and a uh, number of years right, for leaving right. and so on and so forth. But it's not, um, it, it's an approximation. It's like the Earth being flat around us. I mean, if, you, if we look at a, at a larger scale or a smaller scale, that's not the way time works. So um, the more you learn about nature, the more you discover that at some fundamental level, time is not there. Uh, and in the basic equations of the theory on which uh, I and many colleagues are working now in quantum gravity, time is just, there's nothing like time. Uh, so in that sense, time does not exist. Uh, but does not, this doesn't mean that it does not exist for us. It, it, it should come out in some approximation in something. But let me tell you something which I think is central. You, you quoted a, a sentence by, a phrase by uh, Einstein, uh, uh, in which he says uh, that uh, time is a sort of a persist, stubborn, persistent illusion and it doesn't exist. Einstein yeah. um, wrote that, but he wrote that in a letter um, to address the, to the sister and the family of uh, his best friend, uh, Michele Besso, who had just died. So, I did not know that. Yes. So this is not in a text to physicists or to philosophers. It's in a letter to a sister who has uh, just lost his brother, a family who has just lost a member of a family. So hmm. the content is not a discussion about the structure of reality. It's a letter to console. It's a letter in which Einstein expresses his love for Michele, who has been his uh, companion and... Uh, and uh, in that phrase, Einstein writes, so for people like Michele and me, uh, time is. So he's uh, talking about his relation between, uh, with, uh, with Michele, and he's talking um, about clearly about his own loss of Michele and his own being in front of death because uh, um, right. Einstein died... Uh, uh, one month and a little bit after Michele. So it's, it's, it's very close to Einstein's death. And when he's saying um, it, there is something illusory 
in time. Yeah. I think he's talking to he's talking about emotions and he's talking about something in a sense deeper and more important. Uh, Uh, than the physical nature of time. He's talking about the, the illusory of, of, of life, of our experiences, uh, and he's saying, look, for people like Mikhail and me, uh, it doesn't matter. We, we, we console ourselves mm. from, 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 from a vision. I, I don't think that phrase by Einstein should be taken too literally, a- apart from the fact okay. that Einstein well, I'm said really, anything. I'm the so glad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad. At, I'm, I'm very glad to hear that. I... Um, But, and yet, I mean, you also, so, so in, in a sense, what you're saying also is that it's, it's partly Einstein nodding, pointing at the, this challenge of working with time as we understand it scientifically and time as we understand it as human beings. Or, or, or simply being, a, are you saying he's really just, he's being a human being there? <laughs> I think he's, in that phrase, is, is deeply being a human being and, uh, and, uh-huh. and talking about his love with Michele and also implicitly talking about his own attitude toward death, which is what's coming. A, yeah. a month later, he's dead. Um, yeah. But certainly time is something which uh, touches us in death in, pr- profoundly uh, because is, uh, is, uh, think about time is thinking about our finitude. Um, we're not going to live forever. And uh, uh, the, what is this time in which we are immersed? I mean, there's no time at fundamental level. And nevertheless, we human beings live in time. We, are, we, are, we live in time like fish in the water, right? For us, it's impossible to think ourselves without time. So I do think there is more to understand there. And I do think, think it's a different question. Um, what is time in the fundamental level of physics from mm-hmm. the question, what is time for us? And for us, it touches a lot of things, including emotional things. So how would you, I wonder how, if it's possible to, you know, briefly just describe what time is for you and as a physicist, just as, as <laughs> a, in phys- a, terms of physics. A fantastic problem to work about. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a, a something which, uh, first of all, it's not a single Uh, notion. It's not either there is time or there is not time. It's what we mean by time. Um, when we think about time, for instance, we think time is the same for everybody. And we know it's not true. I mean, time passes a little bit faster in the mountain and a little bit slower in the, in, in, in near, the, near the sea. The more high you go, the more uh, time passes fast. So it's different than what we think. Um, I think that... It's relative, yeah. It's relative to how we move, where we are, and, and, and so on. I think that mm-hmm. um, in the fundamental equation of the world, as we have understood so far, we can forget about time. They, they're not about how things evolve in time. There's about relations between, within variables. And uh, mm-hmm. the, the basic theory, uh, I think that's more or less we can understand. Uh, the real problem is from there to come back. And uh, in this timeless world, to understand what is this thing that we experience as time. And that's a problem mm-hmm. in thermodynamics. And also, I think this problem is related to what we are as human beings. Uh, to a large extent, what we call time is our memory, our anticipation. Is, uh, we, we, I think we're going to understand entirely what time is uh, when we better understand what we are. 
So right, I think the time is, is an yeah. approximate thing, not a fundamental thing in the world. Like up and down. You up and so down are, make, make sense here on right, Earth, but not a, in the always. space. Right. So once you said you've said some more, you wrote the passage of time is internal to the world, is born in the world itself. So, so, so here, here's what a very intriguing thing you say again as a physicist. Um, the, to the question of what explains that for us time seems to pass or to flow, and you say you believe this is connected to the connection between time and heat that the difference between past and future exists only when there is heat. That is such a baffling and fascinating idea. I mean, can you just can oh, you explain that a little is, bit? Yes. Oh, this is uh, something that curiously has not been uh, said enough, and uh, mm-hmm. the non-physicists the non- don't know it, but it's not something new, and it's something well established. Um, in fact, since not the last century, but the previous century, it's, it's uh, well, it's early 20th century physics. Um, every time we give a dis- uh, description of the world of phenomena where there is no heat, we cannot distinguish the past from the future. Uh, every time there is something that distinguishes the past from the future, uh, there is heat. So uh, they take a movie of something and run it backward. Mm-hmm. If it's perfectly logical what you see, uh, imagine you take a movie of the moon going around the Earth. You run it backwards and you see the moon going around the Earth the other way. It's completely consistent with the laws of physics. And there's no heat there. Um, But if you throw a pen uh, on the the table and it stops, you take a movie of that, if you you, uh, run the movie backward, uh, you see something totally absurd. A pen that starts moving from nothing... And in fact, when the pen stops, it hits the table because there's friction and there is heat. So it's um, it's basically the content of the second principle of thermodynamics, uh, which was established uh, between the end of the 18th and the beginning of the 19th century. Uh, only when there is some heat around, uh, the phenomena are different in one direction of time from the other. So the direction of time is deeply connected to the synthesis of heat. That doesn't explain the direction of time, but it's a first step toward understanding it. it uh, mm. is, time, mm-hmm. The direction of time has to do with the presence of heat. Is there a way that we um, experience this without being able to, an- or with unconsciously in kind of our daily interactions or our sense of time? Or is that just a separate experience? I think our own experience of the world, our thinking, our being, our emotions uh, are so much uh, 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 produced by our brain, our body, which are uh, full of heat, (laughs) a deeply thermodynamical (laughs) thing. (laughs) So we cannot get out from this presence of heat when we think about our experience. When you think, your brain produces heat. Um, when you wake up in the morning, your body produces heat. When you have an emotion, there is heat producing. And so we, um, in our experience, are uh, uh, child <laughs> children of uh, the presence of heat in the world. I think that uh, in, in a world completely without heat, we wouldn't make sense. We wouldn't be able to think. Huh. We would have memory. Memory requires heat. 
So because there's so much heat in us and that we generate all the time, time, <laughs> all the time, time yes. seems to be this dynamic, rapid, I mean, I think we time, we experience time as a bully, you know, for much of our lives, at least the way we live now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. We we ourselves uh, are strictly, um, as I said, our ch- children of time and, uh, and 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 children of heat. In the sen- heat, uh, there's something we did understand about heat a little bit after having understood this relation between heat and time. Which is heat that has to do with the microstructure of uh, of. Um, of space and what is heat? Heat is a uh, is is the fact that there are all many molecules moving fast. So, in the second step is to understand that heat has to do with the fact that there is a microstructure we don't see. Uh, a hot glass of water is a glass of water where the molecules move very fast. A cold glass of water right. is the same glass of water where the molecules um, don't move much, but we don't see the individual molecules. So we talk right. about heat because there is a sort of um, uh, defocusing. There is a, there is a big uh, simplification in the world as we perceive it. There is a coarse graining. As we perceive it. A, as we perceive right. it, exactly. So in turn, and this is the next step, time has to do with this ignorance of the details. It's an mm. a ignorance of detail. is the picture where details are ignored, Details, I mean, zillions and billions and billions of positions of individual molecules are not seeing. And it's from this uh, uh, approximate picture that ignore the details uh, that the sense of time comes in. And that's one of the things I think Mm. we should understand better and we don't have yet understood well. So the relation between times and heat is clear. But the next step, which is how come that time in some sense, emerges when there are many, many degrees of freedom which are not under control. That's something we should understand uh, understand better. Um, it's it, it's one of the mysteries uh, of uh, mm. In, mm. against which physics is struggling right now. I think. Hmm. There's something else you say that just. I mean, I feel like we've now really we're really straddling physics and philosophy as as you do. Um, just a, 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 a final thing in that in that sense that you say that in physics there is nothing that corresponds to now or to here that here exists in the mind of the speaker. I, I was just I just want to tell you I was just working on a program we're doing with a somebody who's a brilliant person in conflict resolution in Northern Ireland. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it was so interesting to me to be revisiting your ideas and having that conversation in my mind because he also said from a very different perspective, you know, that here and now are always subjective for any for all the people sitting in a room, even if they are sitting together in the room, um, that here <laughs> means something different. different. Um, yes. It always means something different. And, and you're saying the same thing as a physicist through physics. Yes. Um, the, the, the philosopher call it indexicality. There are, uh, let me put it this way. Um, physics struggles to give an objective picture of reality as much as possible, which is very fine. 
very good. So it's, it's reality as seen from the, as much as possible from the outside. But if you look from the outside, uh, you you always miss something, which is a perspective from the inside, right? If you have a if you have a map. Right of a region and you want to use it, you want to know where you are <laughs> in the map. So you need an extra information, which is where you are. And, uh, and, and there are words like uh, here, like me, that have a meaning yeah. that depend of, f- on who says it. If I say I'm Carlo, it's true, but if you say I'm Carlo, it's false. Uh, so the same mm. sentence is uh, depend who, who um, So... Mm. I think there is there is an aspect of reality which is strongly connected to its uh, um, its relational aspect. We perceive reality not from the outside but from the inside, and there is a little difference between right. each one of us, obviously. Um, and we have to keep this into account. And I think keeping this into account it's one of the ingredients for making sense of what time is. And maybe also one of the ingredients for learning how to deal with one another a little bit better by remembering that we always have perspective on things and everybody has a slightly different perspective than everybody else. Yes, and it's so resonant in the world right now. I mean, you know, I think like when I'm talking about this conflict resolution person and he talks you know basically I mean you can almost see it in terms of physics that the that the 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 whole ex, the experiences that propelled any every individual in a group into a room to talk about conflict or to interact mm-hmm. are so different and that it, that all of that is what means all of that is going on swirling around in each of these people infusing what their what the definition of here or now is um but it's all kind of beneath the surface. Just we don't see that complexity of each other, as you're saying. Just as we don't see the complexity, the true complexity. Here's somewhere you said we realize physics opens windows through which we see far into the distance. What we see does not cease to astonish us. We realize that we are full of prejudices and that our intuitive image of the world is partial, parochial, inadequate. I also feel like that's almost language that describes our political, our global political scene right now. Yes, uh, um, if I may say something, not as a physicist, but as, 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 as a human being, I don't know, as a, as a citizen, mm. I think that uh, what, what, a lot of what is happening now is becoming blind to the fact that we succeed cooperating, and uh, and there is a there is a increasing all all over, uh, not just in the United States, but also in, in India, in Europe, and in, in many parts of the world. Yeah. Um, uh, push towards seeing uh, one, what, seeing us one another as, as enemies instead of uh, collaborators. I mean, the humanity groups, uh, humanity as a whole, succeed if it works together, not if it works one against the other one. We, we have we have seen conflicts and war and disaster so much, and I'm afraid we're moving in that direction and I, 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 I would like to do everything I can but I can very little to stop this drive and when you describe um, that there's the strangeness in quantum physics where particles only exist when they hit something else um, is related to the fact that human being a human being is a set of his interactions with his fellow human beings around him. I mean that works in every direction, right? I mean we can be interacting as enemies or interacting as fellow citizens with whom we're trying to build a common life. 
I guess I was wondering also. Yeah, go keep. Yeah, go on. No, no. Yes, I mean the, the, the two different things. Of course, we we, we interact. Uh, we exist. We, we can also exist as warriors, and we interact as by making right. war to one another. But the result, the, the result is often a disaster for everybody. If we if yeah. we if we interact as by collaborating, um, everybody gains. I right. Think. I mean, if I take this idea of yours, this overriding idea that comes out of. Um, a life in physics that reality is only interaction ultimately then it seems also like the failure to interact or the failure of interaction is actually a move against vitality against life is that is that is that interpreting too much apply <laughs> It is an analogy. I, I agree with that. I, I think that analogies are very good and uh, uh, help us. Uh, it's, uh, the, the two things are separated, of course. I mean, one thing is to mm -hmm. understand that uh, in, in physics we, uh, we can better understand the world through interaction. And, uh, and, and one thing is to export that to our, uh, to our politics, our society, or, or, or human life. I mean, I think analogies are good. And in general... Um, Using ideas that come from one field in another one is 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 good. It doesn't prove anything. Um, but look, I don't exist that I, as a person, I don't think that I, as a person, um, exist uh, uh, without the rest. I am my friends, my my love, my enemies, mm. my uh, everything that uh, I interact with. Uh, uh, all my ideas come from things I've read, I've talked, uh, which are all interactions, and all what I do is interacting with uh, with the rest. Um, and the same is true for communities. Uh, communities uh, are what they are because they've been strongly influenced by different communities, <laughs> and they're going to influence other communities, yeah. and so yeah. on and so forth. Um, this, I think, is not a proof of anything, but this, I think, uh, it's going to help us if we digest that instead of going in the direction of defending us from the others. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is a way of inserting this this lesson from history that you take, that you that you lay out in your writing, that that science can, does and can shape. Um, our understanding of the world, our our character, it, it, you know, or I don't know, you said our soul or our the quality of our presence in the world in 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 ways that are not merely scientific. I mean, you. So I want to ask you this: if 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 in fact, as the title of your book, reality is not what it seems. That I mean, again, these to me, these are some of the things you've written that seem so. Um, resonant for so much else that, you know, our senses often don't tell us the truth about reality, that this is an interesting one, that understanding the world better often entails going against your intuition. Um, uh, but, but for you on a grand scale, you, 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 you have a sense of the complexity of reality and the cosmos um, um, that is so far beyond our senses. So I, here's the question. How, how does this change the way you move through the world? Is this something you're able to kind of work with? Uh, <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know if I'm able, but I do <laughs> work with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> it's uh, I I think we we are what we are. The the idea that uh, our senses can uh, uh, mislead us um, to, to some extent. There, of course, our senses are always are also our main source of our knowledge. So we should also rely on that. But we shouldn't rely too much. This idea it, it's very old, right? It uh, it it goes back uh, to antiquity. Um, in fact, it it's the key idea of a good part of uh, Greek uh, philosophy. Uh, mm-hmm. Some philosopher took it even too strongly, say, "Oh, we shouldn't believe at all what we, our, our senses say. Reality is completely different." Um, nowadays, of course, we we rely on what we see, uh, but we have learned, and I think we have learned deeply, that uh, um, we are like children. Namely, uh, we start with a naive idea about the world. We start with a naive vision about the world, and then slowly um, we learn more. Uh, we learn more because we grow, like children grow. So society has grown, civilization has grown, and uh, and uh, and has grown by learning from from experience, from other people, from books, from 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 experiments, from all sorts of stuff. And uh, what we have learned is, uh, as you say, the complexity. Uh, the world is much more complex than what what it looks at first sight. I look at this glass of water, and it's just quite. Uh, Transparent, uh, and, uh, and but I know that in fact mm. it's a it's, it's a crazy zigzagging of molecules <laughs> down there, which do all sorts of stuff, and uh, and how fast they move, the temperature, and so on and so forth. And uh, this complexity, which is at all level, uh, guard us from uh, um, from being driven by too simple-minded uh, thing. I mean, I th- I think we should we should keep keep in mind that the world is complex. We have a good way of dealing with the world, right? Society works, civilization works. We are, we are alive and we have several billions of us on Earth and uh, many more than before. And in fact, we are actually more of us on Earth uh, which are out of deep poverty and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and have education and, uh, and things to live many, much more than in the past. So we're not doing too bad. Um, yeah. But at the same time, uh, uh, the we know that this knowledge we have uh, it's fragile, and uh, we don't have full knowledge at all. Nothing guarantees that uh, we do better tomorrow at all. We are not guaranteed by anything. I mean, civilization could start could stop tomorrow. I mean, the the, the Earth is uh, is becoming warmer, and it could be a catastrophe. Uh, it's. Uh, uh, the the we are too many on earth and this might lead out the catastrophe and worst of all we are fighting against us more and more and this will yeah. get yeah. more catastrophe so there is a sense of fragility which i do have both in the in the uh, i i don't think i know the truth i think i know a little bit about right. the world and uh, uh, i know deeply that I have no access to any final truth, to any absolute truth. I know deeply that uh, my brain is limited. There's something I understand. Sometimes I feel I understand better than somebody else, and sometimes, no, I feel that somebody else understands better than me. Um, And I know that my life is limited. 
I have a certain number of years to live and, and, and that's it. Maybe humanity itself has a limited uh, life. I don't think there's anything that guarantees us uh, beyond uh, that. Can we live this yeah. with this uncertainty? Can we live with this uh, fragility? I think we do. We and can. And our brains even more, also... I, th- our, our, I was just going to sure. say, I think our brains also resist fragility and, and resist... Um, the knowledge that our life is limited, kind of work against that reality? Um, maybe. I don't know. Uh, mm. Some, mm. we're different. Mm. <laughs> some of us more, some mm. of us less. Mm. Uh, yeah. we, have, uh, we, have, we, we are terrorized when, when death approach, of course, because, uh, because I think we had an instinct of escaping from the tiger when the tiger was, arri- was arriving. It's a good instinct. Yeah. Uh, but fear of death just by itself, I don't think it's, uh, it's really a, a universal feeling. I think it's, uh, it's, it's a feeling that many people might not have. And uh, mm-hmm. we can accept the, 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 the limit, the fact that our life is limited like we accept there is the sun and the, there is the sea and the mountains. It's a fact of life. I find it, in mm-hmm. fact, I find it uh, reassuring, not, uh, not scaring the fact that uh, this is a, a, a short life and that's it. And in fact, I find because of my because of psychology we have this is what make it precious that's why we like it what's why we yeah. love it if we had if mm. i had to live forever which i would be scared to death of living forever because life is beautiful <laughs> but also <laughs> also painful sometimes so i don't want, i mean i don't want life to live forever i want to live for a short time and uh, as better as i can and better with my fellow travelers through time mm. and uh, and uh, expressing part of me and uh, uh, I think that this fragility, this lack of full knowledge, uh, this limitation of life uh, is something one can live very well with and is much more reassuring than any potential of knowing the the bottom of truth of reality or or any idea of living mm-hmm. forever. If, if I asked you, um, this is a philosopher's question, but also as a physicist, you know, how you would begin to answer the question, what does it mean to be human? How do you think of that, what a human is? Um, well, one can answer at all sort of levels. It's um, it's something that has happened in the world. <laughs> the, the world yeah. has produced stars and has produced uh, trees and has produced uh, clouds and has produced humans. And, uh, 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 and I happen to be one of, uh, of these things. So on the one hand, uh, it's, it's just not happening in the world. And, uh, uh, mm-hmm. But I am this happening. And uh, uh, it's um, at the same time something that can be extraordinarily painful because humans have gone and go through an immense amount of pain, uh, but also incredibly beautiful. And um, in, in the Mahabharata, there is one line in which uh, is a question, what is it that every human cannot avoid? And the answer is happiness. Um, I think we all have our share mm. of happiness. And uh, what we are uh, deeply is not our reason, is our emotions, uh, are something mm. which is determined by our biology, our culture, our history, our chemical composition, and so on and so forth. So this is what we are. 
And uh, what we are, we experience it as uh, as happiness, of pain, as a relation with others, as drive, as desire. And uh, there can be something very painful in that, uh, but there can be something very beautiful in that. And to the extent in which we appreciate the beauty, I think life is precious, is, uh, is, is, uh, is beautiful. And pain, our pain and, and, and the pain of the others, which touches us, that's one thing that makes us human, the fact that we share the pain yeah. of one another, um, is something which is there because that's what we are and we have to deal with. I mean, I've I've spoken with physicists who um, who will talk about what the math tells us and what it does not tell us, <laughs> and that you know that love and f- choice um, and really freedom are not something that m- m- might be real; that these might be illusions. You speak differently about these things, about the reality of emotions. Um, yes, I, I, I know what you, what you mean. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there is a confusion between... Uh, um, I, I think a lot of my colleagues who are atheists like me, like I am... Um, are sort of in war against uh, what they call illusion, which is fine. I mean, everybody is, is defends the ideas that he wants or she wants. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think there is some confusion in in in, in those positions. Namely, um, the fact that something is not a fundamental ingredient of reality doesn't mean that it's illusory. Uh, mm. The fact that. Uh, in the Newton equation, there is no up and down. So up and down is not a fundamental ingredient of physical reality. It does not mean that there is no up and down and therefore I can walk on the ceiling. Up and down are completely right. real for us, even if they're not fundamental mm-hmm. ingredients of reality. So my emotions are not a fundamental ingredient of reality. There is nothing like emotions at the level of, uh, of elementary stuff, elemental physical laws. But this doesn't make them illusory. I mean, there are no cats in the fundamental ingredients of reality, but that doesn't mean that a cat is an illusion. A cat is a cat. It's a very real thing. (laughs) (laughs) So a cat is real. My fear is real. Mm -hmm. I am real. My choice is real. My emotions are real. All this is enormously real. It's just that they are complicated stuff that to some extent we understand, some extent we don't understand. Um, Obviously, I choose... uh, because I'm, I, 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 I have choice between talking with you and not, and of course I chose to talk with you and so on. Um, by, when I say I choose, I mean something real which is happening in, in me. Maybe I can understand that in terms of something else, atoms bouncing or deterministic laws or non-deterministic laws or whatever. But it doesn't take away the fact that there's a perfectly coherent, good decision, uh, description of what I am in which I, 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 I decide. I think that naturalism which is, um, um, I would say, by far the most common um, philosophical position today among scientists and philosophers, at least in the Anglo-Saxon world, uh, does not mean that uh, emotions don't exist. (laughs) It means that emotions are a complicated thing, uh, which are perfectly real, which we understand only a little bit, but we, we have no reason to deny 
Yeah. I mean, I find it incredibly... I find it incredibly useful. I mean, this, this, I mean, I'm going to be working with this now. This notion that even a human being, an individual, is, a, is not a thing but a happening. That, right, that you say somewhere, an individual is a process, complex, tightly integrated. I, I feel that, that this way of thinking also about us and about ourselves and about others does let in the richness and strangeness um, of what it is to be human and the complexity of our interactions with each other. Uh, yes, uh, I think uh, we are not things. I, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm an entity. I'm an incredibly complicated process. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a complexity of interaction with the others. And there's also the complexity of uh, ourself, our just... My body is enormously more complex than what I'm aware of. The number of things that happen in my brain every every second is far, far more rich than um, uh, what is my awareness of myself, what I'm conscious about. So we are very complicated things, um, which is fine. And we have a certain partial control of what we are. This is something, by the way, which is... uh, strongly emerging from modern uh, contemporary scientific research on, 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 on brains, neurons, and so on. But it's an old intuition. Yeah. I mean, Spinoza has this intuition very, very strongly. He says, oh, you, you don't know what you are. Or Shakespeare has intuition. I mean, when, when Antonio at the beginning, uh, one of Shakespeare's plays, say, I'm sad that I don't know why. Okay, it's, <laughs> it's a way you said. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. right. and, and, right. and there's all sorts of things that happen inside us, and we have no idea why. Sometimes we, we, we're afraid and we don't know why. Sometimes we're happy and we don't know why. And uh, our memory is a teeny, teeny uh, uh, synthesis of all information that got into us. Uh, so we are right. very complicated right. uh, things. And we are like living on the top of this huge wave of, of happenings, which which is ourself, I think. Yeah. I um. When I was when I was reading you, I I felt that there was a I wouldn't say a contradiction, but that in you, like just like as quantum physics and general relativity are both true, but both work and yet contradict each other in some ways. I felt that you hold, in your grand view, there's a certain schizophrenia. I think I don't, I don't believe that now because of how you just spoke about um, the, the solace of the, that life is short, the, the, the value of that. But, but, but anyway, I'll just, I'll just the yes. fact that, you know, you, you know, the way you said... Um, You've said that you believe that we belong to a genus of short-lived species and you believe we probably won't last long as a species and we might become the only species to knowingly watch the coming of its collective demise, which is a very sobering thought. Um, But you also hold in a creative tension this great vision of grandeur and beauty – of the scientific enterprise and of the a view of reality that the scientific enterprise makes possible. Um, I, I think we yes, I, I, I understand what what you mean by the contradi- the tension between these two things. Um, I think that we have values 
uh, inside ourselves which come from from what we are. Uh, we are mammals, we are social animals, we have a civilization, we have a culture, we have read books, we have, uh, we have parents that talk to us, we, are, we have instincts. Um, and these values are real. So it's what drives us. We want to love, we want to be loved, we want to be recognized, we want to be seen. <laughs> um, mm. We want to have our place in society, we want to help others, we want to prevaricate others, <laughs> and all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, and one thing we want is to learn. So uh, I think, I, I don't think that scientific knowledge is the unique and only value and what justifies everything else and is the foundation of everything. It's just one of the drives we have. And like the other mm -hmm. drives, is, is, uh, to some extent we, 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 we sa we're satisfied and we find satisfaction in it. Um, I also think that we are, to some extent, grown up and uh, recognize uh, the... the how limited are our, our self and uh, yeah. how our knowledge can be wrong and uh, our life can be short. And uh, uh, I don't think this uh, kills the value which comes from, from our self. They remain true. Uh, we do wish that our children will survive longer and longer. In fact, when I wrote that about this... Um, the uh, the possible uh, demise of our own speeches, uh, uh, to some extent it was uh, to say, look, be aware that nothing guarantees we live forever. But to some extent right. it was a provocation to say, oh, come on, I mean, um, uh, <laughs> please uh, right. uh, vote for leaders that take steps mm -hmm. to save us from global warming <laughs> or from the next mm -hmm. world war. Mm -hmm. So be aware that it's not granted. So uh, do for something for it. Um, I'm not saying uh, let's just die <laughs> altogether happily. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying we want to live. Of course we want to live individually um, I, I, I don't go out and run after a car. I, I try to move out. I try to survive. And as a species, we want to survive. So I want our children to survive. So let's do something about it. Let's not be sure that uh, that we have granted the survival of our species. We, we, I, I'm pretty sure we've, we have, don't have any guarantee for that. So we better do right. some of that. So there was a, a, a side of provocation in, in writing this. Okay. <laughs> do, you, do you possibly have the... The seven brief lesson, lessons on physics with you in English. You probably don't have it with you, do you? The, the uh, book. Oh uh, no, not in English. I, okay. I, do you want I me to wanted read to, something? I, yeah, but I, I, I was gonna. I, I can read it also. Just the the vet, the last two paragraphs. Um. Um. I just I want to read this because it's so beautiful. Um, and then maybe you'll have just some final words. Um, it is. It is part of our nature to love and to be honest. It is part of our nature to long to know more and to continue to learn. Our knowledge of the world continues to grow. There are frontiers where we are learning and our desire for knowledge burns. They are in the most minute reaches of the fabric of space, at the origins of the cosmos, in the nature of time, in the phenomenon of black holes, and in the workings of our own thought processes. And in the workings of our own thought processes. Here, on the edge of what we know, 
In contrast with the ocean of the unknown shines the mystery and the beauty of the world. And it's breathtaking. <laughs> Thank you for reading this. The, um, yeah, it's, it's my vision of the world is also, um, how would I say, it's also my, my dream about myself, right? I would like to think of myself as somebody who tries to look far away. Everybody, each of us has a has a one dream of what we would like to be. I would like to I see myself an explorer who tries to to look ahead, and that's I think it's not mm. as I said before. It's not the only. It's certainly not the only important thing for humanity, but I think it's important also that for humanity, and each of us tries to do something for humanity, and that's the direction in which I've been trying to go. What is the Italian word for breathtaking? What is that word? Or what is that? What is the word you wrote in Italian? <laughs> um, um, which I remember a moment. Bello da togliere il fiato. It's not a single mm. word. It's a is a is a phrase uh, to take away the breath. Bello da togliere il To take away the breath. I see. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm very happy that you chose to talk to me today. <laughs> <laughs> However, choice really works. <laughs> it's just I'm I'm glad you're in the world. I'm glad you're writing these books, and oh, I'm thank very you. excited to put this out into the world. This conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Grace. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>